Nikki. Hey, Selena. Hello, everyone. Hey, y'all. And welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter! (laughs) Anyways. All right. So, season three, episode three. Let's do a couple questions here. Let's get loose. Are you ready? I don't know. The juice is loose. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) Because the juice was loose in the 70s. That's true. Okay. So, um, what sound or noise do you love? <laughs> so, I'm going to start by saying the thing I hate, and because the flip is that I love it. Well, that's the second question. So, okay. go ahead and do a twofer. So, what I was going to say is I hate the sound of people chewing. I cannot handle it. Uh, misophonia or whatever. I cannot. I can't. I love the sound of my children chewing. It's so cute. I can't explain it. That sound. It's a mother's love. It's adorable. I think it must be. And there will be an age. I will not find it cute anymore. But at this age right now, my kids can make sounds with their mouths that like if any other human being on earth did it, I would throw up. Mm -hmm. But when they do it, I'm like, oh my God, you're eating. Look how cute you are. Just growling. You're adorable. That's a mother's love. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's my answer. Okay. Well, first I feel like I need to back up just a tad and remind folks that we're doing James Lipton questions. Selena <laughs> <laughs> just wants to know what I love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about your noises. Um, I mean, don't tell me about your noises. <laughs> um, so sounds that I love, I would actually have to go with like water. Mm, yeah. Peeing. Very peaceful. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. Ooh. Sorry. I couldn't even take myself seriously. I know. I, I heard and it. And I grossed myself out. I looked at your face before it registered what you said. <laughs> and then I was like, Huh? So like a babbling brook. Yeah, that's nice. Um, or river water. Like I will just sit there and just listen to it and just watch it. And like I feel a complete peace in the world. That mm. is definitely one of my tippy top, top three happy places. Mm. Ocean waves. It's all good. But honestly, if I was going to say what my favorite body of water is, it really is rivers, streams, babbling brooks. Over ocean, which I know is an unpopular opinion, but it's my opinion. I'm with you. The tinkling is nicer than the whoosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll take either, though. Sure. And I would take it right now if anybody wants to whisk me away. For most people, us included, either one means vacation because we have to go somewhere yeah. to hear that. You have to, we're not, we don't have babbling brooks in our backyard. Right. And I, and maybe that's the other reason why you Escapism. love it. Yeah. Or it's like a Girl Scout cookie. Does anyone really find a tag along that delicious or is it delicious because it's available one time a year? I've had that thought quite often. Another great marketing scheme. Mm. Uh, I mean, plan. Um, And then the sound I hate, I have a lot of sounds I hate. And there's just like particular times where it's worse for me than other times. Okay. Uh, Now I'm nervous. Well, no, normally it's the sound of me sweating. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine? (laughs) Oh, God. Um, It's like anything that's in this vein of fingernails on a chalkboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like... That drills, anything like that. And then also, um, let's just say uh, once a month, these senses get heightened. Oh. I thought you were going to say the sound of a crinkling pad or a or something. (laughs) I don't love that. Um, It's the P, the M, the S. (laughs) And at that time, it's like like I'm a superhero, but unhelpful. And Mm. I don't actually do anything for anyone. And angry. I just sit in the corner. I'm angry. I eat chocolate and noises really bother me. I get that. So I'm a monster. We all are. (laughs) And with that, you want to get on to uh, episode three? (laughs) Yes. Episode three. I was trying to think of a transition. Uh, The episode title is EP Phone Home. E.T. A play on E.T. It's definitely a play on E.T. Not a monster, but an alien. So not a monster. Not at all. The sweetest, cuddliest, lovable little. Okay. I love E.T. Everybody loves E.T., but we're not talking about E.T. right now. I was just trying to transition. I'm sorry. The name of this episode is E.P. Phone Home. However, we are going to call it Are You Lonesome Tonight? IMDb says, Charlene wins tickets to a VIP tour of Graceland. In Memphis, the women encounter an assortment of Elvis Presley fans, a newspaper reporter working on an article designed to make them look foolish, and a truck driver who shares his emotional story about Elvis and his dying son privately with Julia. It aired November 28, 1988, was written by LBT, and directed by David Trainer. General reactions, stray observations. You want to kick us off? 
Sure. Um, I loved it. I thought that this one was really sweet, and I thought it was a good balance of funny and touching. And I also think it's one of the more well-constructed episodes we've seen. So that was my very first general reaction. I'm thinking by the way you looked at me. That is not your reaction. I, I, I don't know why I'm surprised that you loved this episode. Hmm. I don't know why that surprises me. I would say I really liked it. Mm -hmm. um, it did feel like a random... It felt random to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the moral that I sort of ultimately put together is just because something doesn't feel right for you, Julia, we can argue Julia did not think this road trip to Memphis to learn about Elvis was for her. There could be a reason you find yourself there. In this instance, it was to bond with a man who desperately needed to share his story with someone who might understand it. Yeah. It takes all kinds. We all need each other. And I think that really flows into my next general reaction, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay, which is that I think LBT has a way of humanizing people that others might overlook. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, in this episode, someone who is, quote, unquote, an Elvis fanatic, or someone like Vern, who's a truck driver, um, who drives trucks for a living. Not that I feel any certain way about people who drive trucks for a living. What I mean is, we don't get their backstory a lot in entertainment. Right. You know, that's not something we really see. And so, I, I think that's really special. Hmm. You that's know? nice. <laughs> Does this make you think anything about celebrity fan bases? Did you have any reaction, like, so, spoiler uh, alert, um... The Extra Sugar this week will be about Elvis, mm -hmm. who has, I think, arguably one of the most rabid fan bases, even many, many years after his death. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. There is just this weird complex around celebrities that I am simultaneously fascinated and repulsed by. This idea that this person brings about something in your mind, in your spirit. There's something that resonates with people. It is also simultaneously terrifying to me. When I was a teenager, I used to think I was one of the biggest Hanson fans in the world. I love Hanson. I do, could not tell you the names of the women they're married to off the top of my head. I could not tell you how many children they have except a lot. I don't know like basic facts about them that rabid fans could tell you because it feels weird to me. It feels intrusive. Mm -hmm. It feels like I know more than I should. It is a really interesting... It, it, it's an interesting concept. I think, you know, we get these stories in the episode about why these individuals feel connected to Elvis. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like either it's like with Vern, you know, it was the love that he and his son shared together for Elvis mm -hmm. and like in that experience that they had in the hospital, you know, and, and the fact that his son is no longer there and all of these things. So like a really emotional time. So I almost feel like you would bond to something around a trauma. Yeah. Then you have the lady who, um, I get she had a, a, a baby when she was really young and for like that sort of like seized on this idea of also like kind of loving Elvis at the same time or feeling recognized probably by him at a time when she probably didn't feel recognized or really seen by anyone. Mm -hmm. So I think that sort of plays into it. If Elvis had been the personality of Manson, we may have a whole different problem on our hands today. Mm. Um, because there was something about him in particular that like, I, I don't know I've seen people react to anyone the way... The Beatles. Uh, yeah, but not with the staying power. Not really? Not staying power. Oh, I, okay. Not um, in this way, like... In, but here's why. Because except for John Lennon, who had kind of, like, who was murdered. But, like, with Elvis, there's sort of these mysterious circumstances yeah. and this legend that has... And I, and I think out of that, like, people seeing him in bacon and eggs on a plate. Right. Or thinking they saw him out and he's alive. Right. And, like, that kind of stuff. Like, the kind of stuff that endures around, like, Tupac. And you know? Michael Jackson a little bit. I mm -hmm. think there are some people who still hold mythology around what happened to him. Yeah. But, and then, and that's kind of a thing too. Like if you talk about this mythology of people, like, you know, Hercules isn't real, but mm. like, obviously he, like there's like our Achilles and these people that like, it, it's just, it, 
it is still like one person though, right? Mm. And something that somebody can um, become focused on or just they want to learn everything about it. I think also these people kind of turn into products. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like the way that like, if I was to talk to my dad, my dad could tell you everything from how coffee beans were harvested to the best beans, to the roasting that you need to do, uh, to the different types of roast. He's an enthusiast, right? And I think people take that enthusiasm that you have for a product and they almost like project it onto people sometimes. That's when it gets weird, I think. It can. These are actual people. These are people just like you and me. I think it would be really good for everyone to keep that in mind, right? Yeah. Especially the way that people, like, and that's something I've wanted to try and be cautious about even in the course of this podcast. We're recording our voices. We're then taking our thoughts and we're projecting. Projecting them out onto the internet, you know, we're projecting it out where people can go and find them and someone could stumble across them. And the last thing I ever want to do is hurt someone. Right. If they happen to hear some random, some rando in the suburbs of Atlanta said something crappy about them one day. Like, I like to think about how I would feel if someone did that to me. And like, I'm like, oh, you know, I would feel terrible about that yeah um so uh, it is a very unique phenomenon and i do wonder if it changes culture culturally mm. like if uh, you know if if there is that same thing that happens everywhere all over the world mm. i don't know i don't know the answer um so my last general reaction is that i actually cried a lot in this one cried i did um it was such an emotional story from Vern. elvis mm. coming to visit his son in the hospital when he was sick like the son was sick then eventually losing his son and then trying to take his own life afterwards mm. i mean we are in a sitcom mm-hmm. so I, I think it just threw me mm-hmm. um and then when um are you lonesome tonight plays at the end i was just like a ball of emotions Aww. on my couch I don't know what it did, but like, and that song always gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, it always has. I think it's because I watched Elvis and me when I was little. Which you is watched like Elvis what? Elvis and me, which oh. is like Priscilla's autobiography of the two of them together gets turned oh. into a movie. Oh. And I, I don't know. I think there's some, there's some sort of emotional memory or something about it. It's like watching mm. it as a kid that like runs over into like my life when I hear it out in the wild. Right. Um, but that was the last thing for me. Do you have any strays? So we get a callback to Stranded in season two where Anthony and Suzanne are forced to stay in a motel room together because Suzanne doesn't think it would look right for them to be driving all night with Anthony. So we're back to that. Then, are we? <laughs> My whole comment there was, shut up, Suzanne. <laughs> you guys are best friends and you need to remember it. Pick a new line. Right. And then the other thing that I had that was just pretty random is that Mary Jo is me when I'm traveling. <laughs> So she, like, I'm all hype, and then the next thing I know, two days have passed, and I haven't slept or showered. (laughs) That's me. Do you identify with her bottomless pit eating on the road? What do you think? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I think the only, so I think it is totally an excuse to, like, stop at a gas station and just fill our car with like all kinds of things we don't need. I think the only caveat there is we, I I guess like, and my mind is no longer the same because of the pandemic, but I can't remember the last time that we really did like a big, we don't do as many road trips as we used to do. I think Mm. so. Like it doesn't happen as often, but I will take any excuse for food that I can. What's your favorite road trip food? Favorite road trip food. I will tell you the one that we always wind up getting, and I don't know why. Peanut M Ms. Well, no, this is going to sound so stupid. Is like we always wind up stopping by Chick Fil A. Oh, so sorry, it's not from the store. Huh. If if I'm going in a store, sometimes I'll try. It's like the wheels come off because at first I'm like, I'll just get some peanuts because that's like a nice protein mm. that'll be healthy. And then the next thing I know, I'm like elbow deep in uh, Swirl World. <laughs> At racetrack. That probably is my favorite. I get very excited about the toppings. And then I'm like... So that's like the frozen yogurt bar? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like a Froyo bar. And then like if they have any kind of interesting coffees. Mm. I get really excited about that. You know, the ones that are like uh, like a 15,000 calorie coffee. Mm. See, I don't enjoy those. Yeah. But I am a QT girl through and through. Because mm-hmm. I, in high school, would stop at QT every morning and get one of the, um, when it was warmer, we'd get one of the frozen mocha drinks. Mm-hmm. 
uh, back when I used to drink sugar and just like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, hot coffee in the winter. So I enjoy QT. I don't, I don't understand racetrack very much. My kids love it. I mean, swirl world. Come on. Well, now I know. Uh, but it's going to parlay us into a segment. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. This is a Southern spotlight. This is Bucky's where the beaver never sleeps. It's a Southern spotlight. It's a Southern spotlight. It's a Southern spotlight. I've been waiting for this moment. Oh my God. I'm wearing my shirt today. I got a Bucky's t-shirt on. It's very cute. I'm fully into this. I didn't know how this moment was going to come. I didn't know when this moment was come, but I knew, I knew it was going to come. And indeed we made it to season three and it came. We're going to celebrate designing women's road trip and pit stop making with a pit stop of our own. We're going to do this Southern Spotlight on Bucky's. Have you ever been to a Bucky's, Selena? I have not. I've been to two. And (laughs) this is recent. Uh, Last year, I visited the one in Warner Robins, Georgia, on a trip back from Florida. And we liked it so much, we stopped on the way there and on the way back. Mm -hmm. Um, Then a few weeks back, in preparation for this segment, and I have treats for you, we went to the one in Calhoun, Georgia. It's about a two-hour drive for us. You have me at treats for you. Hold on, I'm grabbing them out of the bag. We also need to get a picture of your Bucky shirt. I know, we should. It's super cute. This is for you. I didn't wrap it in anything other than the Bucky's bag because that's kind of wrapping now. Does it need anything else Mm. but the Bucky's wrap? So we made a special trip to Calhoun. Do you want me to open it now? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just for this segment, I wanted to have done my research. So while Selena opens her gifts, I'm going to give everybody just like a little bit of a context. Bucky's is a chain of gas stations. But to call it a chain of gas stations is such an underselling. Um, they have locations in Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Um, it's, it's, it's more of a, um, I, I've heard it called, she just opened her presents. Why don't you tell the people? Okay. So the beaver. The beaver. Bucky <laughs> uh, the beaver. Uh, I have a coffee mug shaped like Bucky now. You do. And it's super cute. We'll also get a picture of that. We'll do a picture. We'll have to get a picture of your shirt. The coffee mug, and then this spectacular thing, Bucky's Overbite. It's a dark chocolate peanut butter, one fourth pound of goodness, and it's shaped also like Bucky's face. <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, Bucky's about to get tore up later on. Bucky is so cute. Uh, so I've heard Bucky's described as kind of like the Walmart of gas stations. I mean, it's truly enormous. Mm-hmm. We walked into the one in Calhoun. They have like an entire fishing and hunting section. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, so let me, for a sense of scale, I've got some statistics I'll share. I'll just share those instead of live through the Calhoun, um, store. So, uh, the Bucky's location in New Brofnels, Texas, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's billed as the largest Bucky's and indeed the largest gas station in the world. According to the numbers I found, this location has 120 fueling positions. 120 God. cars can be getting gas at one time. It has a uh, thousand parking spaces. Do you think they ever have a line? Um, <laughs> I could answer this. Oh. Well, let me think back. We did not experience a line at the first one. The second one, we didn't get gas. Um, so I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. But but It'll they're very crowded. Yeah. They're, they're very crowded. Um, so a thousand parking spaces. 64 ice freezers. 83 toilets. 31 cash registers, four icy machines, and 80 fountain dispensers. Wow. The entire store is 66,335 square feet, which is more square feet than a football field. And this is just that biggest one. This is that biggest one. Okay. But I can tell you, having been to two of them, um, I think several of them are this large. Um, But I did read that not all Bucky's are quite so enormous. Um, if they're not in the state of Texas, odds are good they're going to be on the bigger side. They're going to be sort of like a draw. Um, but there are several in the state of Texas, apparently, that run more in the order of a normal gas station. Um, a couple other high points of visiting Bucky's: Their bathrooms are top-notch. They I are heard. really nice. Their reputation precedes them. Yeah, seriously. Um, in 2012, that new Brofnels location won an award from Cintas for the cleanest restroom. They, um, I didn't know that was an award, but I like it. Um, but they have a cleaning crew that's in there like almost nonstop. Like I said, I've been now three to three different stops at two different locations and we obviously have small children. We go to the bathroom a lot. They are constantly cleaning the bathrooms. They have the little lock that when you lock it, it says, um, occupied and not occupied, which 
I think it should be like required in bathrooms. Mm -hmm. There should be a visual indicator that someone's in that restroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're very nice bathrooms. You don't like an awkward encounter? No, not in the bathroom with my pants around my knees. Mm -mm. That's not for me. That's fair enough. Um, They have a ton of Bucky's branded specialties, including the beaver nuggets, which I realize now I should have brought you. The beaver nuggets are almost like corn pops is probably how I would describe them. Right. Um, giant corn pops. They have a whole wall of jerky. Um, and they ha- I found a whole display of Mary Jo's personal favorite, the pecan log. Hey. Bucky's branded pecan logs. Yeah. Um, not Stuckies. Not Stuckies. This These is were Bucky's. R- I feel like this is a rough this is gonna be a rough run for Stuckies trying to come back. Oh because Bucky's. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe I should have looked into that. I didn't put that piece together. Sorry guys. I'm going to put a reel up on Instagram when this episode drops that previews Bucky's a little bit, and I'm going to try to do a little designing women twist um, that'll give people a flavor for the sort of stuff they might find there. Um, I'll tell you, when we go, we load up on all these random snacks. I've now bought a t-shirt. My son has a blanket he sleeps with at night now with Bucky's face all over it. Love it. He has a um, onesie, like a PJ's. That are like he looks like a beaver when he puts them on. <laughs> he met Bucky this last time wearing his Bucky the Beaver onesie. Oh my goodness! It's it's an event. Like it really is. Kyle, when we left the first one, Kyle said that is so much more than I was expecting. Yeah. And I found out about it because some influencers that I follow online just started like touring Bucky's, and I was like, "What is this place?" We were driving down to Florida last year, and I saw the sign. The signs start popping up like 64 miles out. They're like cleanest restrooms you've ever seen. They have very funny, quirky little sayings like, yeah. um, "I don't know," very cute little billboards. They start popping up, and like every couple of miles, I would tell the kids, "We're going to Bucky's. We're going to Bucky's," and I could tell Kyle was like, "Don't build this up so much, Nikki." It was amazing. There's no letdown. I drove all the way to Calhoun to go to this place. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you that like while I haven't been, um, a friend of mine has talked about Bucky's for at least seven or eight years. Mm, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, just singing its praises. So, And they're expanding. They're expanding a lot. So there's a lot more locations coming into play. Um, so you have more opportunities to go. Mm-hmm. It is worth, I think, if you and Casey have like a Saturday together or a Sunday together, it's worth the drive. Mm-hmm. It took us a couple of hours, but it's we drove right by where Kyle and I got married, was on the way. So it was a nice little day trip. That's nice. If this episode of Designing Women gets you itching for a trip to Memphis, incidentally, a place I've never been, my Google Mapsing told me that our route to Memphis from where we are would take us straight by the Buckies at 6900 Buckies Boulevard, Leeds, Alabama. So if anyone is so inclined, <laughs> check into it. It's worth the stop. Um, and then on that note, one final thing I'll pop in here is a Wonderlog article that you found, actually, Selena, on top places to stop on your six-ish hour drive from Atlanta to Memphis. So obviously you're stopping at Bucky's. Um, but some of the other sites you might want to stop are Tupelo, Mississippi, which is incidentally the home of Elvis Presley and where you can actually see his birth house. That was me popping my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, Dismal's Canyon in Phil... Phil Campbell, Alabama. Sorry, that was really hard for me to say. It's a nature preserve known for waterfalls and bioluminescent glowworms that light up on night tours. That's cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, There are several historical spots in Birmingham, Alabama, including the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, a multimedia museum chronicling the civil rights movement. Um, And this one, Selena, I added just for you because I think this is the one that stuck out to you. Um, It's a little bit off the beaten path from Birmingham, but it's called the Ava Maria Grotto. Um, it's kind of wild. It's located on the grounds of St. Bernard Abbey, which was founded in 1892. Their website labels it the only Benedictine monastery of men in the state of Alabama. The grotto consists of a landscaped hillside of 125 small stone and cement structures, the handiwork of the creative genius brother Joseph Zuttle, OSB, a monk of the Abbey for almost 70 years. I was absolutely fascinated when I saw that thing. It's crazy. I would love to go. I love stuff like that. Well, now you have a whole list of places to stop should you want to find yourself in Memphis. Well, I do very much so want to go to Graceland. So Mm, you'll find out more about why later. Oh, okay. Well, that's it. That's my Southern Spotlight on Bucky's. I love it. Go. Thank you for my treat. You're very welcome. Enjoy that's, your coffee out of Bucky's head. That's very fa- I'm trying very hard not to eat Bucky right now. There, there's just so much stuff there, and it's really hard. Like, it's almost like a, um, 
it's almost like a home goods in there too. Like they have a lot of home stuff. I heard that. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, so we went and to, it's, cute, right? it's the one we went to was springy because they had like the Eastery sort of stuff sure. out when we went. So that's like the pastel colors. It was very cute. They had a lot of really cute stuff. Yeah. I re- I do really, really want to go. Well, you like Bucky's. I like Bucky's. I'm sure I would like it if I went. I like what's sitting here. Should we talk about what we liked? About the episode. We can. Yes. Um, wh- what did you like, Nikki? Julia's heart-to-heart with Vern. Was, it was a weird setup, like I said at the beginning. But like you said, it was a really touching scene. And I do think I got Misty when he was talking about his son. I do think especially the part where he said um, that he c- considered suicide. He was good. He like, was, he was, was a really good, good actor. We don't always... It's the 80s. I'm just going to, like, straight shoot for a second. We don't always get the best, like, walk-on cast members yeah. for the day, the yeah. best guest stars. I thought I thought he was really good. He was really good. Um, I'm like, he's a special man. <laughs> he's a real special man. So special. Um, what else did you like? The cast on a road trip. Yeah. I just really enjoyed them being on a road trip. I, Mary Jo, I identified with so much just in terms of the food because I do the same thing on a road trip. I walk into a gas station and suddenly I've got two bags of peanut M&Ms because that's my road trip food. Love I also it. really like the little um, powdered sugar white donuts. Mm-hmm. Those are road trip food. for. I don't know why. I just think they're so good. Well, I think we're tapping into something that's like it's also tradition. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think people really enjoy traditions. It's, yeah. It's like in the history books or something. And so I think there are these little things that we just, we do, and it kind of becomes part of this larger routine. And it's almost like Pavlov's dogs or something. Because mm-hmm. you ring that bell, and the next thing I know, I'm getting something special on the other end. For sure. And a treat on the way. Hardee's is my other road trip stop. I stop at Hardee's anytime I can on a road trip. And I used to do it a lot more than I do now. Now I'm very like, business focused on road trips hardy's is good i feel like hardy's doesn't get enough love and in terms really of good. burgers through mm. a drive-thru it's pretty top notch what i'm talking breakfast from breakfast hardy's specifically too. it biscuits is and gravy. so good yeah biscuits and gravy and the cinnamon rolls yeah so good and their coffee is really good too I'm like, now I want Hardee's. There's a Hardee's in Buford. I wanted to tack on something to what you said here, too, because you like, like, basically the same thing I did, which is the genesis for this episode. So, mm-hmm. like, I know at the beginning your general reaction is kind of like, well, this episode's a little random. But, like, I'm kind of all in on anything that's a road trip in mm-hmm. a show mm-hmm. because I, I think it's ripe with comedic opportunities but we also get to leave this particular sound stage mm-hmm. and sure only briefly and then we're switching around what our typical sound stage looks like mm. but at least it feels like we get a different sense of place because i get tired of being at sugar bakers yeah um i think sometimes i just want them to shake it up uh also i thought with the road trip in mind this time uh it worked well because uh, Charlene's love for Elvis is well established within the world of the show. Right. Um, even though it does feel like we switch from Jerry Lee Lewis oh, to Elvis at yeah. some point, uh, we don't even really hear about him anymore, and it kind of all goes over to Elvis. But that's okay. Oh. I thought I'm okay with it. Um, so I love how giddy Charlene is about going on the VIP tour to Graceland. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, it sounds like me when I really want something. You know, like right on the verge of mania. <laughs> so in addition to identifying with Mary Jo, I also like identify with that. Like I am sort of like someone who turns into a child mm-hmm. over things that I really want to do. For me, it's really simple things. Like we were talking a minute ago about those um, those stops on the way to um, Memphis. So Dismal, Dismal's Canyon, that nature preserve. That's right up the alley of things I would totally get my family up at 6 a.m. And I'd be like, all right, kids, we're going to Dismal's Canyon. Mommy's excited. Let's go. And just the whole drive there, I'd be so excited about seeing these bioluminescent worms. And that's a family of origin for you, yes? Because your mm-hmm. family got you up sometimes. Oh, sure. Right. And took you on trips, and it was a last-minute thing. And I love that. Yeah. I love that spontaneity. That's how my mom was. Um, my trip to Bucky's was, was very spontaneous. I only planned it a week and a half out. I mean, you didn't even have a spreadsheet. I didn't have it. I had nothing. And is there anything more spontaneous? 
than I the lack not. of a spreadsheet. I think not. I, I agree with you. Um, I liked Mary Jo's commentary on all the things that you can do while we're talking about the gas stations. Um, and oh. these like these places that are like all in one kind of stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes, I mean, you know, now you can go in, get your tires checked, buy some birth control in the bathroom and have a little turkey and dressing on your way out. And that all sounds right. Bucky's doesn't have any of those things, um, <laughs> but they do have fresh made barbecue. You can go over and get brisket or pulled pork. They have a fudge bar. They have an ice cream bar. Um, so man, those are options. What else did you like about this episode? That was it. Um, I got a chance to talk about Bucky's. I'm tapped out. <laughs> oh, we'll see you at the finish line. <laughs> um, I like this episode spotlighted that our ladies are a class act. Julia protecting people from the condescending reporter. Oh. I mean, the way she did it was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but I still thought it was nice. Like, I thought that was a nice thing that she was doing. She was seeing something that these individuals could not see, and she kept kind of trying to get them to go somewhere else so that they wouldn't tell the reporters things that reporter things that he was obviously going to use against them. So it's interesting you say things people couldn't see because Charlene said, I know he's going to do that, but I want to show him my stuff anyway. So for Charlene, I agree that with that for yeah. the other people, I wasn't as sure. Okay. Um, we get to hear Charlene say that. And yeah. I think that helps kind of cement for her that it was okay. Um, but she also, she cared a little bit cause she changed her name. Right. Um, Charlene genuinely listening to people's stories. I love that. She's oh, such a she kind really heart. cares. I know. I mean, I know we're talking about fake people, but. She genuinely wanted to hear those stories. I know. Which kind of makes sense as an Uber fan. She wants to hear why other people love this person. I don't think it matters what the topic is. I don't think it does. I think but... if they were talking about something she didn't give two craps about, she would still listen like it was the best thing she'd ever heard because it's Charlene and that's and what she, she does. she loves people. She does. Um, and then these are my last things. Two things happened at the very end of the episode that I thought were really strong. And I think, you know, sometimes you can have an episode where of any television show, and maybe it's not that strong, but if you come in right at the end, I, that's what I'm going to remember. You're going to remember it. And I think this one had that going for it. So the show ending button in this case, Charlene buys a bumper sticker, which is the namesake of the episode, EP Phone Home, and she says that she would like to put it on the car, Julia says, over her dead body. Mm-hmm. But at the very end of the episode, when Are You Lonesome Tonight is playing as they drive home from Graceland, and as the camera pulls back, you see it on the front of the car. And I like to believe that either Julia or Anthony put it on there. Mm. Those are my two guesses. No. Oh. I think it was Julia. Um, love it. I hope it was the case. And then in this in this thing, <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> Vern sending out that song to Julia over the radio at the end mm-hmm. also really worked for me. Uh, because I don't know if it landed this way for you, but for me, it felt like they let us sit with it for a minute. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean, we see the glances everyone is exchanging. And Delta Burke asked Suzanne... She maybe has the greatest smirk of anyone I've ever seen. Mm. And it was kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of a sisterly rivalry that goes on between the two of them. And it was like almost like a, a sign of respect. Mm. Like um, not only for the person that Julia is, um, but for the way that she is magnetic and she does have a, a lot of charisma and she is beautiful and she could have like this, Meeting with this person, it didn't mean it had to be sexual or anything, but they did have an instant connection and they did have a bond. And I think he really, she really made a lasting impression on him and vice versa. Right. And I thought there was something that was so sweet about it. Like they didn't have to go have an affair. It was just like this wonderful, lovely moment. And so all those things really worked for me. That's nice. (laughs) What about what we didn't like? Why don't you start us off? That reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super skeezy. But I do think it made for a realistic plot line. Yes. I think people do enjoy passing judgment on other people's likes and preferences. Mm -hmm. And based on the stories that we were hearing from people about what had drawn them to this event and what had drawn them to Graceland, um, I could see him writing a mocking piece based on those stories and the way that um, these fans reacted to Elvis. And I could see other people reading it and enjoying it. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, I do think, like, there is something, um, I think people for forever have been fascinated by things that aren't 
whatever we at the a moment in time consider the the norm and anything that falls outside of mm-hmm. it you know i think it makes it takes me to that place where people go to they would go to the circus to see twins because that was so weird right who's ever seen a twin or they would go to see people who were larger than other people which i don't appreciate and i don't like but i'm just saying like that that's the kind of thing that they would do you know, and I think that people do have a fascination with those kinds of things. And, and, and I think, and I even think it's, it's okay to be interested. I think being interested can be, and curious, I think is a really good thing, but I certainly think it can also be twisted and used against people and that I'm not okay with. It's like that classic question that Angus asks us and that classic 1990s movie, Angus, um, what is normal? How do we define normal? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's true. You've never seen the movie. We'll be adding that to your list. We just all have lists. <laughs> I know what it is. We've talked about it before. So good. I know. I need to watch it. So I, I would just be curious as a 30-something. Does it resonate with you the way it does with me? I think it's a timeless, ageless message. Yeah. What is normal? Are yeah. you normal? Then what does that make the rest of us? Yeah. It's deep. It's, it's very deep. It is. I only have one thing I didn't like. Wow. And it's that... um big episode for you. It dragged a little bit in the middle of the episode when we basically get introduced to one Elvis fan after the next. Oh. It wasn't terrible. It's just like, I remember the first time watching it and being like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, because it felt... it. There's so many times I watch the show and I'm like, you just need to do theater. Hmm. Is so many times it feels like a play. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those times for me. Did it bother you at all that Anthony was only there to like almost bumper the episode? Uh, it did, but um, I liked that we at least brought him back at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so he could drive, of course. Of course. Um, but I'll take any time I, I can with him. And I did enjoy some of it. Like, um, I would have preferred for him to be there longer, but I did like some of the... Um, he got in some good shots while he was around. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take what I can get until we really, truly bring him on as a full cast member. Okay. All right. Well, do you want to go ahead and rate this sucker? Yes. What do you have? Dearly departed dates. Because at the very beginning of the episode, Suzanne's date dies. Oh, gosh. She's that's just right. devastated by it. It's ruined her entire weekend. <laughs> now she has to go to Memphis. So I'm giving it four dearly departed dates. Okay. So I liked it. Yeah, it was a nice episode. A little random how they kind of pull together. I thought that I just, hmm. Julia and Vern ending up together was just odd. It just seemed odd to me. Yeah. Um, But I get, I get what brought them together. Right. But it just was felt a little random. Well, it felt like even if she pulled him to the side, what they really have wound up, like, let's go for a drink. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there was this weird, like, undercurrent with all the other women that was just sort of like, like they assumed there was something sexual. Like, I think at some point, maybe it was Suzanne who asked, like, what are you going to tell Reese? Yeah. She's like, I have nothing to tell Reese. I went and had a drink th- with this guy. And, like, yeah. nobody could believe that he had this very tragic life story he needed to share with somebody. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. Um, I gave it four and a half out of five love songs dedicated to someone special on oh. the radio. Delilah. We don't get that anymore, you know? Delilah. Oh, Delilah is still around? I think so. Good for her. She has a really sad story. She lost a child. I think I think we've talked about this before. Oh, Delilah. Poor Delilah. Poor Delilah. Um, I, I mean, really, for all the... I, I covered all the things that I liked about it. I just thought it was... Um, I thought it was interesting. I liked the genesis of the episode. Um, I liked the way, for the most part, that we spent the time... And I mean, if I'm going to sit there and cry and have 18 likes, it feels like I have to give it a high score. Yeah, I think so. And thus, it got a 4.5. Uh, let's talk about who won the episode. Charlene, 100%. She was living her best life. <laughs> this like is like it. her dream. I like it. Yeah. Who did you pick? I picked Vern. Oh. Um, he's going to get to do something in honor of his, of his son. Um, mm. and then he meets Julia and had this special heart to heart with her. And, um, and I don't know. I just, I just liked him a lot. I thought he was so, I thought his story was so powerful and moving. And so I just wanted him to win. Okay. That's fair enough. Um, how about who lost the episode? I'm going with Suzanne. Okay. She really got it handed to her on this trip. 
Like, she lost her date at the very beginning of the episode, so she's had a traumatic loss in her life. She gets shoved in this car. Um, She couldn't put her feet down on the floor because Charlene's, like, wet knapsack is hanging down there or whatever. She said she couldn't put her feet over (laughs) on it. It was that Tupperware container. Um, There was something about how she couldn't get clean. She couldn't get her hotel room. Like, it just sounded like a real cluster for her. Yeah. Not her best life. Yeah. I wonder how many of Suzanne's boyfriends have died. We should pr- that should probably be on the bingo card. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I had Mr. Weddington, who is a reporter. Oh. Uh, you know, Julia hopefully stopped him from getting his story. And, you know, I hope he gets put on a really undesirable beat. That's what I hope. Whatever he thinks the worst is, I hope that's what he gets put on. You don't, you don't think Graceland in Memphis was that beat? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that beat was. Mm. Features? Yeah. Um, so, yep. Mm. 80s things? I feel like this is a stretch, but it's kind of a question. Okay. Baths versus showers. Was there a time showers weren't common? At the very beginning of the episode, Suzanne says, Mary Jo, did you not bathe this morning? Or did you not take a bath? She said, take a bath. Did you not take a bath this morning? I have a take. Okay. I have a take. I think that there are bath people and there are shower people. And I think there have always been bath people and there have always been shower people. And I think Suzanne is definitely a bath person. Yeah. I think that um, uh, she wants to luxuriate. Yeah. I would, I I do think there's another answer to your question too, Mm. which is I think if this is something they track, I do think more people probably take showers now than ever before. Yeah. Uh, They're more convenient. You're not sitting in your own dirt. Right. Bathtubs are expensive. Right. The water is very expensive. I realize now I probably. The tub is. I could have Googled this. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. You have oh, okay. to fill the whole... Oh, you but mean like the actual tub. Yes, especially if you... It's so funny to me, too, like the how things um, uh, circle back around. Like, you know, you used to not would have wanted um, a, like a standalone tub. Mm-hmm. People went and they got the built-in ones. Now you got the standalone ones again. Mm-hmm. And those, because of supply and demand, they're just outrageously expensive again. Have you been pricing bathtubs lately? When we redid our master bath, yes. And that's oh. why I still have a built-in one. Oh, okay. <laughs> because even the faucet alone with like the wand that you get, mm. I was like, it was like $2,400. Mm. That's just a faucet. Mm. That's not the tub. <clears throat> You're a shower person. I am now. Um, okay. How's my last 80s? It's time for another round of movies in the paper. That was my mm. first 80s thing. Mm. And then I feel like dedicating a song to someone on the radio feels very 80s this is a last one last minute one that i noticed as we were talking about the name of the episode again um yeah it's Mm. et et came out in 82 so like i don't know that you would name an episode ep phone home Mm -hmm. in 2022 i feel Mm -hmm. like you in fact i think this speaks to how popular et was because they were still talking about it yeah (laughs) this many years after it came out yeah um, Southern things? Gulf Shores. That's where the truck driver was headed. Oh, good. Gulf Shores, Alabama. Okay. Yep. All right. Anything else? Mm-mm. Oh, boy. All right. Memphis. We have the... Oh, I didn't even talk about all that stuff because I figured that was going to come up in extra sugar. Well, I'm covering it here. Okay. All right. So the Malco Theater, that's where one of the Elvis fans meets him is outside of that. That is a movie theater chain in six states and the headquarters is in Memphis. The Peabody. That was an actual exterior shot in the show. It's known as the South Grand Hotel. It's also world famous for its... Did you read anything about this? Five resident ducks. What? I want to go there so badly now. Who march daily through the lobby at 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. We can link to the whole story behind it um, for those who are interested. And so Nikki doesn't kill me. You also Unless you want to talk about something. The hotel opened in 1869. Mm-hmm. It was on the National Register of Historic Places. Yep. Another thing that was kind of hard to find is how many generations of ducks they've been through. Mm. Because the ducks started as a tradition in the early 1900s. And I don't know the lifespan for ducks. but it's probably a lot of ducks. And the hotel also had just reopened in the early 80s. It sounds like it shut down for some amount of time. And they had just reopened it before this episode. Oh, okay. It's otherwise known as the South Grand Hotel. Were you just sitting on that? That was in my references we need to talk about. Oh. Because I wanted to talk about the ducks. 
the cutes. I like one. They're really cute. And there's a story about how the ducks got there and why they're there. Yeah, there is. It's something like, it's a cute story. Anyways, it's in what we'll link to. Um, And then we'll go into more detail about Graceland here shortly, but it was Elvis's home when he was alive, and now it's a major tourist attraction. Elvis is a huge Southern reference in this altogether, and um, many of his songs are also mentioned specifically. So Love Me Tender, Are You Lonesome Tonight, Hunk of Burning Love. That name right now just makes me so sick. (laughs) Um, Heartbreak Hotel, and I Saw You Crying in the Chapel, which I'm not familiar with. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Julia says, I'd rather be tied butt naked to the town clock. <laughs> so let me tell you something. I don't know it's Southern in origin, but I know that they're not saying it in LA or New York City. It also didn't sound like something Julia would say. Yeah, I guess that's how much she didn't want it. That's true. <laughs> um, truly Southern road trip treats, pecan rolls and fudge. Mm-hmm. Um... Both found at Bucky's. Both found at Bucky's. Um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Mm. I played that record till I plumb wore a hole in it. Mm. That sounds southern. And then fella. Sure. Nobody outside of the South is saying that. Oh, really? I thought that was like a World War II era thing. Like, where's my fella? Where's oh, my... I meant the till I plumb wore a hole in it. Oh, that. Okay. Fella. I'm, I mean, good fellas. So yeah. <laughs> I'm playing fast and loose Got with it. that one. Okay. Um, but it was said by Vern with a very southern mm-hmm. accent. That's true. Uh, references that we need to talk about? The word hotel. Yeah. Uh, I'd literally never heard of that. No. It is apparently a combination between auto and hotel. Like motel is a combo of motor and hotel. Lo and behold, in my Googling, I found the Northwald Hotel in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. It's been dis- demolished and replaced by a bank. Is this but it the looks really pretty. website that has like the five hotels or whatever that are left? Dead and... Motels yep. USA. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool because that is like this really interesting, like brief Americana hmm. um, that I don't know. But yeah, I had never heard that word before either. It's weird. I don't think they were, it's not like super common. Like I think Motel was the more common. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pictures are really pretty. It looks very like 1950s, 1960s. It does. And neon Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. What um, else you got? Arthur Fromer, mm-hmm. who wrote Fromer's Guides. He's also a Missourian. He was born in Jefferson City, Missouri. Lived there until he moved to New York at eight, at 14. But he writes all those uh, Fromer's travel guides. If you've ever seen the movie Euro Trip, it's a very big moment in that movie when they talk about Fromers. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I was like, I don't remember. Isn't there like Rick Steves or something? He has like guides. I only know Arthur Fromers and I only know it from Euro Trip. Oh, good movie. Yeah. Underrated. That's all I got. <laughs> um, I only had one other thing which just kind of stuck out to me. Uh, one of the fans said that she had twins out of wedlock. Mm. And all I could think was, well, there's a phrase I haven't heard in a long time, out of wedlock. Um, and I was just wondering if there are some listeners who may not know what that is. Huh. I mean, I mean, I'm just like, it doesn't feel like it's as big of a deal today as it was once upon a time. It's a super not PC word. Uh-huh. Because it infers so many things. I just, yeah, so like, I just wonder, like, you know, I'm thinking specifically well, about it? young kids today who are huge fans of the show. Um, I am. It just, it just <coughs> means that you had, or, or you had a baby and you weren't married. That's it. So wedlock, and it's just, and, and doesn't that sound pleasant? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. get it locked down and up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you want to talk about some cut lines? I got nothing. Really? Got nothing. All right. There may have been a couple of little tiny cuts, but nothing worth talking about. So next episode, episode four, getting married and eating dirt. That's disgusting. Not the getting married part, the eating dirt. I can't handle it. That's gross. (laughs) Just tell us how you really feel. That's gross. So we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. Our website is sweetteatv.com. And hang tight for extra sugar. We've alluded to it a couple of times, but Selena, what we got this week? We're going to do a little deep dive into Graceland and the king himself. Let's do it. You know what that means. What's it mean? We'll see you around the bend.
Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. So, Nikki, this whole episode felt like a love letter to Elvis. Yeah, and you know, I tried to Google whether LBT is a really big Elvis fan, and I didn't find anything. The only thing that I could come up with is that... She wrote a whole episode of a show about him. <laughs> Somehow I put two and two together. <laughs> Just rub those two sticks together. No, like, I think he died in 77. This premieres in 88, so I wonder if when she was writing this episode, if there was just a lot of stuff in the news, because it would have been the 10-year anniversary since he died. Mm. So I think maybe just a lot, you know, we all, we, everybody knows (laughs) who listens to this podcast and also researches for this podcast (laughs) that LBT is such a person who's up on current events. Right. So I just imagine, like, maybe this is like, uh, you know, going in and then as she's like reading the news and then just coming out in her writing. Yeah. But like, it definitely felt like a love letter to me. And so in honor of that today and for extra sugar, I thought we would cover three pretty big Elvis focuses of the episode. The first is Graceland. The second are these nice things he did for fans. We get Vern's story about the hospital and the belt buckle and everything. I love stories of celebrities doing nice things for their fans. Me too. They're really nice. And it's very, it's always, I don't know, it's just always so heart touching. But, yeah. um, and then the third thing I want to talk about is interesting Elvis memorabilia. So, also, completely coincidental. But in four days from when this airs, not from when we're recording. It's not important that we're recording in 2018. (laughs) But on June 24th, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis will debut in theaters all across America. Um, It's been nearly 34 years since this episode aired and 45 years in August of this year since he died. But the fascination with Elvis is alive and well. His legacy lives on, his story still being told, and perhaps it always will be. So I just wanted to note that from the top. Okay. Before we hop in, do you have any Elvis memories? I don't have a connection to Elvis in the world aside from... Mom's not a fan? Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not that I know. If she is, she's hidden it very well all these years. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I think just in general, I come from a family of music lovers, so we all appreciate music. Except and we for all... Elvis. <laughs> it's not that we don't love Elvis. Like, mm-hmm. the music is fine. We like the music. We've heard the music. We're just not, like, rabid, diehard fans of much of anything. Are your parents really big Beatles fans? Mm-mm. No. no actually, I was the biggest Beatles fan in my family well, for a great. while. Uh, my stepdad grew up with four sisters, maybe five sisters, and they loved the Beatles. Um, so he went like a hard left the other direction and did like Southern rock and mm. like, like Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my mom, my mom doesn't really care for country music or like country adjacent. So I think she grew up with Elvis's music and grew up hearing it, but that's not really her vibe. Which is weird. It's so weird, but like, He's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But I do know that he has some things, and he really is was very big into the gospel scene. So he has a lot of that. Right. Um, so again, yeah. like, let me clarify, because mm-hmm. if mom ever makes it this far in the podcast, she may like Elvis. I just don't know that she loves him. Yeah. But we've heard his music. It can't, it, we listened to it growing up in the house on Mama occasion. Nikki, you got to tell <sighs> Mama us. Mama Nikki, tell us. <laughs> you got to tell us. And this is my test of whether mom actually found our podcast anywhere online. We'll help, we'll help her find it. Um, so uh, I mentioned this one early on, but like watching Elvis and me and the movie about Priscilla's autobiography, that really sticks with me. And I was just sort of, it, it circles back to this idea that we were talking about early, this, earlier, this fascination with like famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also in this case, it was just the way they lived, how their lives were very much so like uh, soap operatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was, it's very similar to my fascination with the British royal family. I'm like, how are, how is this a thing? How is this still a thing? Yeah. And, uh, and my, another big memory for me is going to the legendary Studio B in Nashville. Oh. So where Elvis recorded more than 200 songs. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I like Elvis music. I do. Um, I'm not like some sort of like crazy fan. I will occasionally listen to his music, mm-hmm. um, but it's not... It, it, I'm, I wouldn't call myself like anything to the level of some of the things that we see. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that when I was in Studio B, I felt it. Mm-hmm. I felt moved the way that people feel like 
in a church. Mm-hmm. And I felt that before too. And I don't know if it was just, because it's not just Elvis that's been there. Mm-hmm. A lot of famous, in, including Dolly Parton. I mean, just huge names. Right. And not just country music either. So I think you could just feel like it felt like reverent. Mm. Um, and then I did a skit in high school drama class that was about two very Southern women who get in a fist fight outside of Graceland waiting to get in. Oh. And I had so much fun doing that skit. Um, I tried to look for, uh, to see if I could find the, um, the back and forth, like the, uh, I'm like words. When you script? Do, thank you. No. Oh. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> I tried to find the script for it, but I couldn't find it. Um, but I, I just thought I had so much fun with that. But uh, so getting back to where we were, Let's talk about Graceland. Uh, as always, pop in any time with questions and let me know your thoughts. Okay. okay. Graceland was listed in the National Register of Historic Places on November 7th, 1991 and declared a National Historic Landmark on March 27th, 2006, uh, which is also a first for such a site. I think they just mean a private home. Okay. Graceland is the most visited privately owned home in America with over 650,000 visitors a year, rivaling publicly owned houses such as Biltmore Estate, Hearst Castle, and the White House. Oh, wow. I think it's only second to the White House. Oh. It's a two-story, five-bay colonial revival house about nine miles from the center of Memphis. And if Five Bay Colonial Revival House doesn't mean anything for you. It certainly didn't mean anything for me. What I will tell you is it feels and looks like the quintessential wealthy Southerner's home. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily look like something that a rock and roll star would live in. Mm. So he bought the home in 1957 for $103,000 after the release of his first hit record, Heartbreak Hotel. He was 22 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just a baby. That would be about a million dollars today. So I'm pulling up pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah. So still, I think even for a star today, a million dollars feels like you're, it feels uh, conservative. Oh, yeah. There are, um, there are athletes that have homes in Swanee that are like a million dollars. Oh, a million. <laughs> yeah. I'm going higher. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like a billion dollars. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm sorry. I didn't finish that thought. There was one athlete I read about recently who has a home in Swanee. It's his quote country home and mm-hmm. it's a, like over a million dollars. Right. And he has a city home too. Sure. So yeah, that feels um, for someone's main home that then becomes the landmark associated with them. That That's a darn good deal. Plus, yeah. And this beautiful. is not to say that he was good with money because by all accounts, he was very bad with money. Oh. Um, but here are some things that you can expect to see if you go to Graceland. Two out of five of his planes, Hound Dog 1 and Hound Dog 2. He added a main bedroom, a sitting room, two half baths, a conference room, stereo system, and lots of luxurious furniture to the first one, which he also called the Lisa after his daughter, and it was also referred to as Flying Graceland. So another cool place in uh, at Graceland is the Wall of Gold. This is all of his gold records, and he sold over a billion, so it's a lot. Wow. Uh, the Jungle Room, simply called the Den when he was alive. This is probably the most famous space there. It's a kitschy room with green shag carpet, plastic plants, wood paneling, tiki-inspired decor, and a waterfall running down one wall. It also doubled as a recording studio later on. Are you looking at it right now? This feels like would be my favorite place on the planet. Uh, so I have a friend um, who went when she was in high school, random. I was like, are you an Elvis fan? And she was like, no, I just randomly wound up there one time. <laughs> but um, she said that it actually was really cool. I can't decide from the pictures. It's very kitschy looking. If you ever needed evidence that Elvis is indeed just a man. I feel like this room proves it. It feels like a like something a man would put together. Like a man cave. Yeah, like a man cave of the I 70s. I love tiki themed things. I know you do. I thought you might enjoy so that. Um, I do love the idea of a waterfall running down one wall. Yeah, that sounds really nice. So Elvis passed away at Graceland in 1977. His master suite is unchanged. There is still a styrofoam cup on a shelf and the same record on the record player. I have that record written down in case you ask. What is it? Uh, it's nothing It's nothing that I'd ever heard of before. It's J.D. Sumner and the Stamps. This is a gospel quartet that also sang backup for Elvis at some point. Um, he and his family are, are buried in the meditation garden. Aww. The upstairs 
was his private domain. Hmm. And this sort of links back to the episode, but the upstairs remains off limits to anyone other than family members to this day. Oh. Uh, so when Charlene is like making a big, a big deal that the VIP meant that they could go see his bedroom, that's why it's such a big deal. That like wasn't a thing. Elvis made a lot of money when he was alive, but he still makes a lot in death too. In 2020, his net worth was higher than the year he died, coming in at a, at a cool 23 million. And in 2020, he was the fifth highest paid dead celebrity. That's behind four, Arnold Palmer, three, Charles Schultz, two, Dr. Seuss, and one, Michael Jackson. Wow. Those articles were really cool, so we'll link to those in case people are interested in digging in, but that could have been its own separate extra sugar. Let's talk about Elvis and his fans. This episode of Designing Women clearly wanted us to know that Elvis was a nice guy. So I looked for fan stories to share, but specific instances weren't that easy to find. Oh. What I did find is that Elvis did a lot of his generous acts quietly. Hmm. Um, this is just a guess, but I imagine he was trying to avoid the publicity, which in all fairness does cheapen a good deed. Mm. Um, so I actually respect it a lot more because he tried to do it quietly. The other thing I would say uh, is that a lot of this is anecdotal, so it was difficult for me to substantiate anything. By all accounts, he was known for both massive and random gestures. He built his dad a house, paid off and contributed to people's mortgages, covered people's weddings and medical bills. He also liked to give gifts, and like a lot of them, uh, to both people he knew, to friends, and to strangers. This was something I found a lot of. Mm. And these gifts range uh, from motorcycles and Cadillacs. Uh, I found this whole story about how, like, a dealership gave him a plaque for buying more Cadillacs than anyone ever or something. Oh. And he was known to give them away. Um, but also, he would give gifts that were horses, trucks, just cash, um, as well as TCB and TLC necklaces. I think we all know what TLC is, tender love and care, but TCB I wasn't familiar with. Are you familiar with this? Mm -mm. Okay, so TCB is taking care of business. I, any real Elvis fan would be like, duh. Of but course. I have no idea. So this is what they called the group of professional musicians who formed the core rhythm section of Elvis Presley's band for about 10 years. Oh. And... I also think it was like a personal mantra from him, for him as well, mm. um, which I could totally see based off like later days Elvis. Like, we're taking care of business. I don't know. I just see it. He's like in a white jumpsuit. I don't yeah. know. It's a thing. So it's reported that there were years when his charitable donations reached about $2 million annually. Good Lord. Again, it's tough to calculate because he did so much privately. Uh, I also saw it reported a number of places that he refused to write it off on his taxes, which to me is a sign he wants to be genuine and not for an exchange. Hmm. Uh, either that or maybe it's some tax problems, but I don't think that was the issue. While I struggle with the things that I know about Elvis, like courting a 14-year-old in his mid-20s, um, Reading about his kindness was really nice, and it made me think nice things about Elvis. So I did right. really like that. And then I wanted to wrap up this uh, segment by talking about Elvis memorabilia. Mm -hmm. So I found an article that said someone paid $72,500 just this last year for something that belonged to Elvis. Any guesses what that was? Underwear. That's a good guess. Um, it wasn't. It was a... Peanut shell. Uh... <laughs> Shaped like Elvis? Yes. God, I wish it was. It. Uh, do you want to take one more guess or do you want? No, go ahead. Okay. It was a jar of his hair saved from haircuts gross. by his gross, personal gross, barber. Gross, gross, gross. That's nothing. His hair went for $115,120 in 2002, so it sounds like Elvis' hair has really declined in value. Oh, no. Yeah. That's a pretty substantial cut there. Holy <laughs> crap. You see what uh, I did there? I saw what you did there. Yeah. Uh, it was on accident. Um, that article also highlighted other things that sold at that particular auction last year, including a jumpsuit he wore to his landmark performance at Madison Square Garden in 1972. It sold for a record-breaking $1,012,500. Oh, I would have expected more. Oh, really? White jumpsuit yeah, yeah. worn by Elvis yeah. in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But a million is pretty nice, pretty nice for clothes. I take it. Um, and finally, let's chat about some of the weirdest ones. Okay. Shall we? I'm like, can you handle this conversation? I don't know. His hair. Uh, well, 
Hang in there, sister. In 2012, one of Elvis's original crowns, I mean dental crowns. Oh. So complete with the full dental model was sold for $8,150. According to this website, the winning bid was from a celebrity dentist who is known for buying teeth of dead celebrities. It got weirder from there, so I will save you that. In 2008, one of his gun permits sold for $46,000. It's supposedly the world's only known full set of Elvis's fingerprints. I think this is exactly that point where we're talking about tipping from, hey, I'm a fan, to, uh-oh. I'm a stalker. <laughs> ruh <Ruh-roh. laughs> I'm rebuilding you in my closet. That's basically what they were positing about the dental stuff. That's gross. Um, so another thing that went, a TV that he shot. Yep. You heard me. Shot it. It went for $14,495 in 2013. Okay. This is where it gets weirder. (laughs) He apparently hated Robert Goulet. (laughs) (laughs) And he shot his TV one night when he appeared on Carson. This is something he reportedly did when he didn't like a show he was watching. I don't, I don't know. What I do know is that he was famously on a lot of drugs. Mm. So I'd like to think that plays a factor. Yeah. I think this is what happens when you get to a certain level of stardom. You have endless amounts of money and no one is telling you, no, no. Elvis, yeah. stop shooting the TV. Bad idea. Just turn it off. Right. We don't have to. Look, it turns off. It's magic. Oh, it's so magic. Ghoulay. <laughs> Then there were two things that went to auction, but they didn't make it. In 2012, what was essentially a pair of dirty underwear, but they failed to meet the reserve price of $10,000. In 2010, the tools used in his autopsy were pulled from the sale. It's worse, though, because it wasn't because it was morbid or distasteful. It was because there were questions about its authenticity. So that's what I was wondering about the TV, actually. How are we authenticating? Apparently, they were able to. He pulled the trigger. Yeah, I don't know how they were able... Whatever their measure is, it must have met it. Because obviously, they don't have standards. I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. Um, To this day, Elvis remains one of the best-selling music artists of all time. He has been celebrated and revered both in life and in death, scrutinized before and beyond the grave. Elvis has left a mark on this world that may never die. And he's Southern, perhaps the most famous Southerner of all time. It's something to ponder on. I know I did while I was researching this one. And that's this week's Extra Sugar.